All right, folks, welcome to the Friday edition and our first December edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. <laughs> Along with Sydney Brown, I'm Lakina McGee. You follow me at Kina McGee on Twitter and Lakina and Kina underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the Insta at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can follow this show, Second City Sports, as part of our We Are Rico radio uh, podcast programming slash war media at War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you download your podcast, make sure you download War on Anchor. And we're also on iHeartRadio. When you download the iHeartRadio app, type in War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're also on the tube, a.k.a. YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. You can not only listen to us, but watch us live do our thing. Hello. Hello. Look alive. (laughs) (laughs) We almost got it. All right. So we got a. Big, big show and a busy show today, so we're going to get right to it. So mm-hmm. big news that came across the pipe. Actually, Sadat Sharma from The Athletic actually credited to him for a first break in the story. It was just a little before 11 last night that Len Casper has left the Cubs after 16 years and will be the new radio voice of the Chicago White Sox. The White Sox, you know, just announced about, not this time last month, that they, they will be moving to ESPN 1000 after spending the last couple of years, last three or four years over at WGN Radio. So, Sid, I asked you right before we started recording, how do you feel about it? You kind of left me sort of hanging for a second, but I'll let you have the floor (laughs) since you're not going to have a choice. (laughs) What's your take on, on this news? Uh, Lynn Casper, I know he was, like you mentioned, he was the Cubs uh, TV announcer for the last 16 years. I know that's one of the premier jobs in all of uh, sports broadcasting. He's okay. He's a professional. He'll do fine. He's just not one of my personal favorites, not as a person, but as a broadcaster. I like a, uh, a broadcaster that's exciting and that's engaging. I'm not saying he isn't one any of those things, but not just for my personal taste. I know uh, he, along with Jason Benetti, will be calling some games together when Steve Stone will miss some games um, for the upcoming season. Of course, Steve Stone takes off a few games a, a year in, around the Jewish holiday. So yeah, Casper and Benetti will be doing games together. So, uh, And I actually like Jason Benetti. Uh, he's, he's grown on me. Of course, he's replacing the now uh, Baseball Hall of Fame announcer, Hall Carrollson. So Benetti's grown on, him, on me, so I, I cannot complain about Benetti. Uh, of course, Benetti, he does everything else for ESPN, both college football and college basketball. So I, I, I think he'll be fine in the radio booth with Darren Jackson. But this one's a little bit personal for me, and I'll explain what this is. Of course, Andy Mazur, who filled in on last-minute notice when Ed Farmer, uh, who was the previous radio announcer, passed away in April right before the season started uh, during the beginning of this pandemic at the age of 70. And I thought Andy Mason did a good job. I'm not going to trash Lane Casper and not don't call them names, any of that garbage. I, you're not going to get that here. But I, I thought that Mazer did a, a, a heck of a job that uh, wanted uh, an opportunity to stay on as the White Sox radio and radio uh, play-by-play man. But we all know in this Mrs. Lakina, things happen that we don't understand at the time and we'll never understand. But 
you know, Lynn Casper, he's a professional. He'll be fine. Now will Andy Mason stay on as a pre- and post-game host? Of course, Mark Shinowski, friend of this show, um, uh, uh, did that uh, this past season for the WGN radio. Of course, the reason why I bring up bring up Mr. Mason because I met him doing the, the now defunct TV show Sports Feed, and um, uh, he gave me some encouraging words about, you know, hanging in, in there. Uh, he's a, a true professional. Hopefully he'll stay on in some capacity uh, in the Chicago market, in particular in the White Sox broadcast. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen, but we'll find out hopefully in the near future. But this is um, uh, big news for sure. And, of course, like you mentioned, ESPN 1000, uh, uh, that station has been uh, improving with their ratings a bit ever since Mike Thomas has taken over. I know I'm going off the rails a little bit, but uh, things are uh, setting up for, for good for the White Sox, not only on the field but off the field as well. We'll see how all this plays out. Yeah, I do feel for um... – Andy Mazur, because I think he did. I actually caught some of the broadcasts on the radio, on the radio, and he did do a really good job. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they, the White you know, ESPN 1000 decide to do with their pre and post. You know, there's him. There's, like I said, our good buddy Mark Mark Schnowski, who did it for, mm-hmm. did it for this, you know, for this season. So it's going to be very interesting to see what you know what direction ESPN 1000 goes there but this is actually very surprising like I like I said I tweeted out last night when I first saw the news I was able to reach and I was article it it, it sort of kind of came out of nowhere like you knew that the Cubs there was going to be some changes at the Cubs you know they tend you know they tendered you know Chris Bryant's contract they released um, Alabama Moore Jr. who was a, a also, Kyle Schwarber, who was a, who were both big cult favorites. I'll get to because you know, there are some people that are saying that maybe Schwarber should, you know, perhaps maybe join the White Sox. You know, I'll let you answer that in a little bit, Sid. But, mm-hmm. but uh, I think this this kind of came out of nowhere, and I'm wondering if this is because that maybe some you know Lynn's sort of you know leaving the sinking ship since you know the white the, the Cubs are probably going to be doing going to be a rebuild mode for the next two or three years. But if you uh, read one other one of our good friends of the show, Mark Grody, I'll get that tweet up. He tweeted something earlier this morning. Let me get that up here for a second. But he said that when he was covering, he was doing pre and post for the Cubs when when they were on one um, ESP uh, six of the score. He mm-hmm. he said that when you know, and of course you know, whenever Pat Hughes would be off, Len would you know do the radio for him and chip in. You know, this, uh, this move by, by Lynn surprised me. But then he remembered how passionate he was about doing the radio during the Cubs, you know, when he was doing it for three years, and especially mm-hmm. in the postseasons. And so I think he was bummed that he wasn't able to call the the World Series, the World Series clinching win. So and remember, mm-hmm. people need to also remember, too, when he came, when Lynn came from Houston, you know, doing the Astros games, he was actually doing the radio, not the television. So he actually had you know, a sense of radio background and also did the TV, too. So this isn't not too surprising that radio's more him, but it's going to be interesting to see what this the direction that both these, you know, Chicago baseball teams decide to go because – you know, it looks like Chris Myers, since he's already on the roster, will be doing the, the marquee games for the Cubs. I know some people were saying, you know, Rain Rondazzo, um, Joe Davis, who both Chicagoans who are both doing their thing elsewhere. I know Rondazzo was with the Mets. I think he – I forgot where he was with this year. But I know that Joe also works for Fox and also does Dodgers. So, if 
you know, maybe in a couple of years when the Cubs maybe get some money in their payroll, maybe they will reach out, especially if Myers doesn't click with the fans. And I'm from Cubs Twitter. If you saw Cubs Twitter this morning, a lot of people are not happy with that news. So, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see you know, the, the, shuff, the shifting and shuffling and, remo- and moving, re- maneuvering. Yeah, all the professional sports franchises will be going through this over the next year or two because of of the situation we're in right now with this pandemic. But it's interesting that you bring up the economic aspect of of this because you mentioned they hired Chris Myers, who does uh, the NFL, fell on Fox play-by-play, also does the filling host as well for other Fox TV, sports TV programming. Uh, You don't have to like you said, you don't have to pay him. He's already on the roster, so you don't have to go spend a lot a lot of money. Now, Joe Davis, who's also a network announcer for Fox, I don't see him leaving L.A. anytime soon. He has a perfect gig with the Dodgers. Oh, yeah. Of course, they just won this year's World Series, and he gets to do uh, national baseball for Fox. He may be the next Joe Buck whenever Joe Bugs decides to hang it up. And also, uh, Joe does college football as well. Yeah. And I know he does an NFL game or two every year as well for Fox. So I don't, also, I didn't see Joe Davis leaving to come here. Uh, come here. I, I just don't see it. Yeah, he also does college hoops for uh, for Fox as well. So yeah, like you said, so he's not. He's got a young family, so he's not. Go- he's not going to want to, um, you know, you know, uproot them and you know, ship them off and come back here. So I don't think see that happening. Ray Rondazzo, I know he's out there on the market. I don't see him. You know, I know he's out on the out, out east. So I don't know if he's gonna come back here. Maybe he will. I don't know. But like, but you know, like we've been saying, because of the pandemic, a lot of teams from all the leagues are you know having to cut back or having to you know shift money around. So maybe, like I said, maybe in a couple of years, you know, maybe when the Cubs are contending again, assuming. You know, maybe they will sort of, you know, get that big hire. But right now, I mean, look, you got a quality guy, Chris Myers, who does a great job. He's done Bears games, so we know he's a good uh, sportscaster. He's been doing it forever. So, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I, I think that <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting with the Chicago baseball in so many fronts starting this season, Sid, and I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait, wait either. Um, as you're listening to Second City Sports Zoom style, along with LaKeen McGee, I am Sydney Browns. We talk Chicago baseball. Let's move into uh, what's been happening on the field, LaKeen. Let's start with the North Siders first, of course. The non-tendered officer outfielder Albert Amoro Jr. and outfielder Cal Schwarber. Uh, I don't know if you call it Schwarber's uh, Instagram post, basically thanking the fans and the organization for the past uh, six years of his career, of course. Uh, he was a huge difference in their 3-1 comeback um, in the World Series in 2016, defeating the Cleveland Indians. He never played any of the home games, of course. If you remember, the Indians had home field advantage throughout the World Series, of course. The Indians had the DH rule, so Kyle Schwarber was to – he was uh, available to play uh, the DH role in all four of those games, which that series went seven. Of course, Early in that season, he, he was injured in the outfield in a game at Arizona, I believe. I think it was the first or second game of the year. He missed the entire regular season with an uh, ACL. But he did enough to get back and help the Cubs capture their first World Series in 108 years. I, I think it's a good move for the Cubs, especially if you're retooling or rebuilding, wherever you want to call it. And Albert Amora Jr., uh, I know he was, in, in some people's eyes, he was supposed to be the future outfielder and the future possible leadoff guy. It just hasn't worked. So you move on from those guys and you got to find 
uh, uh, comparable guys to replace them with. Now, as far as Chris Bryant is concerned, I'm not shocked that they brought him back for one year. Uh, the, the Cubs struggle, uh, get off to a bad start, and Bryant ha- has a good enough year. You can uh, uh, dangle him out there at the July 31st trade deadline if the Cubs are perhaps contending. Um, you may have to hold on. T- you have no choice but to hold on to him and see what happens at, at this time next year. Yeah, and I think that's going to be sort of the thing that if you're Jeff Hoyer, that's something you have to figure out, right? Because I don't see a lot of teams, even for a former MVP like Chris Bryant, I don't see a lot of teams, you know, going to be trading their top prospects to maybe a, got to get a guy that you may only have maybe two, three years of like peak left in him. So I don't mm-hmm. see a lot of, you know, teams clamoring for that. So they may not have a choice, but to keep them, it will be interesting though to see will the, if the Cubs are going to be contenders, are they going to kind of like, just going to be wavering like they've been doing the last couple of years, you know, get to the playoffs then probably lose in the first round. I, that that's going to be the thing that's really going to, you know, you know, match up to see like what, what direction does Jed Hoare decide to do? He's kind of a, I don't know if he's in a tough spot, but I think he's sort of like an interesting situation. Yeah, as we mentioned before, like if they want to do a full rebuild, technically they can do that, but you're going into the second year of a new TV network and the marquee network and, and Cup fans were complaining that uh, certain cable subscribers weren't are not on their cable system even to this point. I know they got on Xfinity right before the season started, so they covered the majority of the Chicagoland area. If you're a Cubs fan right now, know the game so far are not coming back to WGN and NBC Sports Chicago. If you don't have the marquee network, is it really worth it, especially if they decide to do the full rebuild? Uh, if I'm a Cubs fan, it's really not worth it. Now, I'm fortunate enough to have the network on my cable system, as I mentioned before in previous shows, and they actually have some good programming. But uh, if they want to do a full rebuild, you're going to lose uh, some more viewers, and I don't know if they can afford that right now. Even though in baseball sense, it's the right thing to do. But business-wise right now, you're in a tough spot. Well, yeah, and, and I think look, I saw college hoops on that network, the marquee network, a couple of days ago. So, it, it, a couple of nights ago, I should say. So, yeah, so they, they got the, the programming. I think they, they realize that they're going to have to build the program. They can't, yes, it's Cubs programming first and foremost, but it's, it's going to kind of end up being like the old sports channels from back in the day, where they'll probably show different types of sports, you know, college hoops, college football once, you know, hopefully the full slate of scheduling can kind of, get back to quote-unquote normal next season maybe maybe some maybe some other baseball games or maybe some NHL games so it's going to be very interesting to see the the wavering and like you said so there are already people complaining about the network anyway so if you go like just rip everything down and start over folks are not going to be very happy could be even more happy you may lose some subscribers and you definitely won't get any revenue coming in so yeah I mean, I know Ricketts want to play like, oh, you know, it's, it's bad, you know, but some, I think some teams mm-hmm. probably have it worse than they do. But like I said, I'm not a, I'm not an economics major. I'm not going to play one on this podcast. So, <laughs> you know, what, what, what do you, what do you think before we, you know, before we move on? Uh, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why now ex uh, president Theo Epstein uh, exited the job a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, he saw the future of this team. Uh, well, I, I can't do what I, what I really want to do. Whatever the plans are for 
this upcoming season and for the short term, I'm not going to be on board. Jed, for you, you've been working under me for all this time. Uh, you take over. You see how, how this job is uh, running day-to-day operations. So, uh, Jed Hoyer is a, a smart baseball mind. Uh, I think the question will be how quickly can the Cubs turn this around? Will it be a full rebuild or will it just be retooling? Uh, we'll see what happens in the coming days and weeks uh, during this offseason. Definitely will be very interesting. So let's go across town for the White Sox. The White Sox have completed their coaching staff. And one of the names, the very intriguing names that are that that is the new coaching staff under, of course, now new manager Tony La Russa is Ethan Katz. He's going to be the new pitching coach. Some people are saying that maybe they they might be grooming him to eventually take over the job once La Russa leaves. But that's a whole that's a, that's going like all like all over the map right now. But you know, you got Mar- Miguel Caro, who's going to be the new bench coach, and Frank Machino, who's going to be the new hitting be the new hitting coach, Howie Clark, the assistant hitting coach, and the, the base coaches. You've got Daryl Bossa, who will teach first base. Also, Joe McEwing, who will teach, who will coach third base. And also, the analytics coordinator will be Shelly, you know, Shelly Duncan. And a lot of those names are going to be very familiar because they're part of, they were part of the, the double, the triple A teams in Charlotte, Boston, and Hassler, uh, in Charlotte. So, the, and, you know, Boston, Hassler, and Machino, they returned their roles following the the, the season, you know, the prior season, and McEwen will be moved from bench coach to third base coach. So they, they kept some of the guys, but they, they definitely changed some names. Also, like I said, Ethan, Ethan Katz's name is one name that's sort of very intriguing to in a lot of baseball circles. So what do you think about this new coaching staff for the White Sox? I'm not shocked at all. And some of the names that you mentioned, uh, some of those guys are La Russa guys and a couple of the guys like Daryl Boston at first base, Joe McEwen, who did work with uh, – La Russa back in St. Louis, uh, he was here in Chicago uh, in the last uh, few years. Or so so I, I'm not too surprised. Like you said, the pitching coach uh, worked with Giolito back in the day. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised by this. Uh, the only thing that, uh, that I'm concerned about is will the, will the pitching staff get right? And how will, the be, they, uh, how will the Sox able to handle uh, uh, the pitching staffs, which is uh, bulked with uh, such young talent? Tony Russo, he's had great pitching stats throughout his managerial career. Uh, I don't think he has had anything potential stacked like this. Yes, they still need a frontline starter. We'll get to that in a second when we delve into free agency. But uh, the potential of this staff, I want to see how he handles it, who separates themselves uh, from everybody else. Uh, that's what I'm waiting to see. Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of, like I said, I think, you know, you know, cast their, their, their training cast kind of grooming him. Like you said, Shelly Duncan and Boston and McEwen, and all the guys all work for, with Tony La Russa. So that's a very interesting. They kind of kept that dyma- dynamic. And as far as, you know, the, uh, the hitting, I don't think it's going to be a big issue as long as, you know, they have the timely hitting like that they had in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. especially last this past season. It's going to be the pitching. Can you, and also, can you get that sort of that, that next starter? I mean, I know Trevor Bauer say has been floating around, and mm-hmm. it's gonna be to see that you know will Rick Hahn be ha- will be have the green light to sort of go go big, as they say. And I'm and I'm kind of like sort of skeptical, especially you know with Ryan sort of kind of you know pitching and say, well, I want Larusa, and I don't want this other these other guys. So I'm I'm a little I'm still I'm still a little concerned about what you know the off season moves they decide to to come up with. I think Rick Howe will only make the boost that Tony La Russa wants, to, uh, wants him to make because 
as we talked about before, Lakina, Rick Hahn, uh, he he was allowed to do everything but hire the manager. And like you mentioned, it came from a top, which was Mr. Jerry Ryan. So if he's looking at his own mortality and he's saying, well, can I get one more World Series before I check up out of here? And he hired Tony La Russa. Now, it's almost like a LeBron James situation. When you hand over the franchise to your biggest star, that person can do whatever they want. Uh, since this here with Tony La Russa, of course, he's all – Hall of Famer uh, with countless credentials. We're not going to go through it here. But if Tony La Russa says he wants a particular person, I want to see if Rick Hahn will, will follow, quote, unquote, follow his lead, or will he push back? I know he has his own opinions, uh, and, and, and rightfully so. But can both those guys come to the meeting of the minds to help this uh, White Sox team become World Series contenders? Yeah, and I think that's going to be sort of the, the, sort of the, the big – you know, the big question is that can they kind of kind of keep up with it because, mm -hmm. you know, will the, will there be infighting? Will there be some sort of, you know, thing that, look, we saw Michael Stroman said, look, I'm not coming to the White Sox. So you just forget mm -hmm. about that. So, you know, will Bauer say, who's also been very outspoken, will he do the same thing and, and you know, not be able to, you know, not, is that, that, and that will not, you know, will not side with the White Sox. So, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, it'll be interesting to see, does, is LaRusa hiring be, become a factor? And like, look, I want to play for this guy or will it be a hindrance with everything else that's been happening? Yeah, like you said, hopefully this uh, not infighting enough that it's going to affect this team and this franchise. Uh, I, I want to see if the White Sox can do better than what they did uh, this past season, just reaching the playoffs. Just reaching the playoffs is not enough. You have to win your division and go deep into the playoffs. And as we delve into free agency here, uh, I don't think it would be a bad idea for the White Sox to take a look at a good hard look at Kyle Schwarber, especially at the National League. Uh, if they don't uh, go, uh, they don't have a, a DH rule uh, as of right now. But uh, Kyle Schwarber, I've been saying this for the last few years. He's he's an American League type player anyway. He's okay in the outfield, but you don't want him out there every day. You know, he, he improved uh, in that from the last couple years. Uh, he's a, a a big, powerful, left-handed hitter. The Sox have been desperate for that for years. Norman Mazzara, as you mentioned at the top of the show, he was not tendered. Of course, starting pitcher to Carlos Rodon was not tendered in, in either, making them both free agents. But yeah. Kyle Schwarber, uh, I see him as an everyday DH. Of course, you have about two or three guys that can – Feel that role, Jose Abreu, occasionally. Of course, Yasmani Grandal, who's your starting catcher. I know he was placed there for a couple of games last year. As I mentioned, I think it should be Eloy, but I don't think that's going to happen yet. So, Kyle Schwarber fits that role. He's still young enough that I think he's in his late 20s now. He's young enough where you can get something out of him. So, if I'm the White Sox, I would take a good, long, hard look at Kyle Schwarber. I think it would be a perfect fit for the South Side. Yep, he tw he's 27. Um, yeah, so yeah. he's young enough so he can, he can adapt to a DH role, which, I look, I've been saying it for a long time that he his style of hitting and his style of fielding, well, if you, you want to call it that, is more <laughs> suited for the, a the AL than the NL. So, I mean, like you said, let's say do the universal DH thing for the NL too. I think he's probably going to end up going to the AL. Let's you know, mm -hmm. unless they maybe they maybe the Cubs do decide to bring him back, which is that's I don't, I don't know. That's a that's a long shot at this point, but I think he'll be a good fit wherever he he decides to go. I, I think he'll definitely be a a big you know 
upgrade for some teams. I think he definitely will be a big a big back for somebody, especially when you need that big hit. So they look he he's proven that he can do that for you. So he's gonna have I think he's gonna have his pick of teams. You know, and I, like I said, don't be surprised. It is a long shot, but I like I said, don't be surprised if he ends up going back to the Cubs, maybe at a cheaper price. Yeah, there's a few American League teams that can use them out besides the White Sox. Houston, Oakland, the Yankees can always use them, so don't be surprised there either. So <laughs> he has some options out there. Yeah, maybe maybe Seattle too. So he'll be probably be the <laughs> oldest guy probably in the with America. Because <laughs> everybody there is like in their early twenties, he'll probably be like the elder statesman. <laughs> but yeah. And like I said, he'll he'll have his pick of teams to uh to go to. Like I but like I also said, don't be surprised if he if he isn't going back to the Cubs. All right. Um, yeah, we've been we've been dreading this. So there's a reason why we went with baseball first and not with, you know, the Bears. I know, yes, we know there's a Bears game coming up on Sunday. They host the Lions. Yippee. <laughs> but uh yeah, we're, we'll talk about it a little bit though before we uh go to break here. I look, I look, I know that you know Nagy had his little soliloquy, you know, all bunch of word all his word salad speeches, like, oh, you know. Khalil Mack, you know, says something to the defense and, you know, oh, we're going to be better and all that. I mean, at, at this point, like, at this point, I really don't care anymore. Like, I know people say, well, <laughs> no, seriously, though, I'm like, uh, you know, people are saying that, well, you know, you know, they still got about three or four wins in there, or, you know, in their last few games, blah, blah, blah. They can still be the playoffs, got it, got it. I mean, look, if you're, if you're a Bears fan, the last thing I think you're, you want is for the Bears to make the playoffs. The real change, you know, if there is going to be any real change, is if they they lose. If they if they lose out and finish five and eleven, then that's it. Everybody everybody has to go. But if you make the playoffs, it's all it's all look because you'll probably get your butts kicked by whoever you end up playing against. You got to go at whoever you're going to play. So whether it's you know a Seattle or Los Angeles, who y'all lost to early the season, or or what have you, or maybe even one of the NFC East teams. So you never know. But <laughs> that would be so really be something. That would be so <laughs> When it said, what are any bears? Whoever is, whoever ends up being out of the East, you know, the other bear the bears to make the playoffs. So what what do you think? <laughs> I also listened to uh, a friend of the show, Mr. Danny Parkins out of Chicago, 670 is where he does afternoons there. And I was reminded of something. I had to look this up after he said it, but we were, at least I was under the assumption that both Ryan Pace and head coach Matt Nagy were under, um, had one year contract, one year left on their deals after the season. He, uh, Danny Parkins said no, and then I did my research, and he was correct. I will, I'm not mad at Danny Parkins. I am mad at the Bears organization. You're going to sit there and tell me that Matt Nagy uh, has two years left on his deal and Ryan Pace has one. And if the Bears don't make the playoffs, I, I'm just in an angry, pessimistic mood, okay? If the Bears uh, somehow decide to bring back uh, Matt Nagy, it will be because – he has two years left on this contract, and the Bears don't want to pay, don't do not want to pay for two coaches. I understand that. Uh, get rid of GM Ryan Pace. I can see that. Uh, no matter what happens, I get that. I think that's the more realistic scenario. I don't like putting it out there, but I think that's the more realistic scenario. If I was running the show, both of them would be out of there by season end. I, I said this before the season started. I'll still say it here: no playoffs, no jobs, and that's for both of them. Will the Bears operate that way? We shall see. Like you said, Lakin, I think 
uh, the only thing that will make this Bears, George McCaskey, pull the trigger, excuse the expression, if they lose out here and they really, really look terrible, then I think they're really uh, blowing up just like they did in 2014 with uh, now ex-head coach Mark Tressman. But I just get the sense at the end of the year, they go 79-8-8 again. We'll keep Matt Nagy, but we'll get a GM Ryan Pace, and then you'll have Matt Nagy going into next year with still two years left on his contract. It, I, it's just a mess. Yeah, it, it is. It is a mess. It's, it's a big mess, and I and I, I think if you're a Bears fan, I think you want more. You you should demand more. And I I kind of feel like at this mm-hmm. point, at this point of the year, I think it's all. The games are all meaningless. You're not going to make the playoffs. You got to jump over like maybe two teams in order to get to that last wild card spot. And if you're a Bears fan, I don't think you want to, you want the Bears to win, you know, this weekend or the other weekend after that. So I, I'm not like I'm at that point where I think I don't want, you know, I don't want the Bears to like you know be good because remember though, I mean, they were very close to losing that game against Detroit in the opening week. They probably should have lost that game. So you know, we count that as a loss on this show. <laughs> oh yeah, of course, of course. So you know, yes, we're five and six, but yet you're like three and eight, or you're two two and nine. The Bears really are. That's where they should be anyway. But you know, we'll, we'll see once they go on the field. It looks like Hicks Hicks might be a game time decision. You know, he was limited in practice yesterday. You know, that back of Khalil Max, I mean, that that's kind of a little concerning. That back's bothering him again. And, you know, it looks like Trubisky will start, it looks like. But I think, look, will, will it matter at this point? Who knows? But I'm kind of like at this point, I know, look, some of us will probably end up picking the Bears. But at this point, would you be surprised they end up losing to the Lions? You know, look, the Lions are sort of in the same predicament as the Bears are. They got rid of their coach, their head coach, and their GM, Daryl Bevel, after years of being in an OC and you know for various teams. You know, will get has his shots. You know, you saw what's mm-hmm. been happening with the Texans and the Falcons. You know, they made their coaching change, and they have this little you know sort of pick me up. So we'll see what happens with Detroit. But and he also like DeAndre said, we'll be able to play. Kenny Galloway will not. He didn't play in the first meeting. So what do you expect from this game? Anything can happen, like Kenny. We all—that's uh, the old saying in the National Football League. On any given Sunday, anything can happen. Here's the thing for the Bears: you cannot go in there overconfident. I know you got embarrassed on national TV last week, and usually those teams that lose badly on national TV tend to. Uh, bounce back the next week. I do expect the Bears to do that, but they can't walk on to Soldier Field expecting a victory. I think they could just walk through a victory. Like you mentioned, Kennedy, Detroit is playing with house money as well. They only won win uh, behind you uh, in last place for the NFC North. And they're playing with house money right now. And they can go in uh, uh, playing free. The Bears technically are still in the playoff race, but we know they're not. And uh, Detroit can go out there and say, hey, we can do what we want to do. The more pressure is on the Bears, and which is true. And they're the home team, and they're supposed to win. So that's the biggest factor I think is going to uh, play the Bears in this game. If they come out um, uh, offensively and just move the ball methodically or don't get anything going at all, you give a, you play right into Detroit's hands. The only question is, will Detroit take advantage of it? Uh, most of those players, if you've been reading and listening to uh, sports talk radio in Detroit. Those players are happy that Matt Patricia is gone. So uh, they're going to come out with more juice and more energy ready to go. The Bears, you got to match that intensity early on and, and put in in Detroit's 
heads and, and say, this is our day. Uh, we determine what's going to happen in this game. We're going to set the tempo early. If the Bears do not do that, it's going to be a long, ugly afternoon. Well, and also, too, Detroit was also embarrassed on Thanksgiving. So, and they had, mm-hmm. they had 10 days off. They, you know, they got a new coach, you know, learning, you know, the defense and you know, also scheme. Will they give the ball to Adrian Peterson more? Like I said, we'll see. I mean, like you said, Sid, they're, they're, they got nothing to lose. I mean, they're, like you said, they're playing with house money. So, I look, I mean, this might be, be one of a very close game. It's not going to be a blowout one way or the other, but I, I just think that it's going to be whose team decides that, you know, that they, that who wants it more. And I think if you're Detroit, I think you're, you're seeing who you have so that when you get a new GM and a new coach, you know, you can kind of, they're playing for their jobs basically. And also, like I said, Derek yes. Revel has been an assistant for a long time. He's been an OC for a long time. So I think mean, he's finally getting his shots, so I'm sure. And like you said, Sid, I mean, a lot of the players there are, are, are glad Matt Patricia's gone, so they might they might you know play more free and, and you know be more free and may take more chances, perhaps. Yeah, and also too, which when you take more chances, it creates more opportunities for the potential turnovers. I think it's going to come down to as well who's going to create the most turnovers, which goes back to the Bears' defense. They didn't create not one single turnover in last week's loss at Green Bay. They did not get a hand on Aaron Rodgers, let alone sack him. So uh, will the Bears create uh, enough turnovers to give their offense uh, enough chances to put points on the board? We know Stafford can turn the ball over occasionally. We know Trubisky can turn the ball over. Despite his numbers last week, his first – uh, his, his first half performance was trash with two interceptions. So if that happens again, Detroit is well enough, uh, are well enough to uh, win this ball game. So it's yeah. going to come down to turnover. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's going to be opportunity. Who's going to be more opportunistic? I mean, look, mm-hmm. Detroit. Look, Detroit. Yes, the defense isn't the best, but they can. They can, They're very opportunistic. They they remind me a lot of you know of um Tennessee's defense you know they're they're, they have you know not the names but they are pretty opportunistic so and I I think if they can create turnovers and hey look we know that both Trubisky and Foles can turn the ball over so I'm kind of at that point where it might be one of these nine six or six three type games because if of course it would be you just love those ugly, low-scoring games, huh? <laughs> I just said, oh, no, I didn't say I like them. I just said, like, I, I know, because this is the NFC North, so okay. who <laughs> You know how it is, Sid. <laughs> the old NFC Central from back in the day. So that those were the type of games that and you, you and I are the same as Sid. You know this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bring back Tampa those ugly uniforms. <laughs> oh, 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 popsicle orange. Orange creamsicle, as, as they called it. But, yeah, I mean, look. Because I don't want to, I don't want to talk no more about this game. Because I'm, I'm about to, I'm about to go bananas here. But, <laughs> but I, look, like I said, I think it's going to depend on whose defense is going to be more opportunistic, whose offense will make less mistakes, and who's whose team you know feel like they, they feel like they they you know, they, they want to redeem themselves. Yes, the Bears are probably going to want to redeem themselves too for the first for the first you know since losing as bad as they did to, to Green Bay. But remember. Detroit also had an ugly loss on Thanksgiving, and they've had 10 days to prepare. So it's going to be very interesting to see what they decide to do here. 
Yeah, it will be interesting. You're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. As we close out this first segment, as we switch on to talk about the NBA and the Chicago Bulls, we're starting as the training camps kicked off earlier this week. Before we get to the Bulls, we'll start off with the biggest news of the week. Uh, a big trade involving two superstars occurred between the Houston Rockets and the Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards traded all-star point guard John Wall to the Houston Rockets in exchange for Russell Westbrook in the protected 2023 first-round draft pick. I'm not going to waste too much time on this, Lakina. It's basically trading a bad contract for bad contract. Maybe the Wizards will sneak into that playoff spot in the East. I know Bradley Beal's still there. Now, on the flip side, John Wall, me personally, I'm excited to see him play. He's missed the last two years due to ACL injuries and I think an Achilles injury as well. <laughs> I think for the Rockets, it's going to be the same story. I know Paul Silas' son is, is the new head coach down there now. We're looking at it from a Houston point of view. Both Harden and Wall, even though John Wall is a little bit more of a better playmaker, but not by much, both of them. Both of them like to have the ball in their hands. <laughs> I know yeah. Demarcus Cousins is down there too now, but I see the same story as we saw last year with Russell Westbrook and Harden. They're going to win enough games to make the playoffs, but you're going to fail. <laughs> I have no more on this. Maybe you can help me out. Maybe uh, maybe look at this trade from a different angle that I haven't seen before because I, I, I saw the trade, so I know why, because you train for bad contracts. But outside of that, no. <laughs> I mean, look, look, I mean, yeah, it is sort of, it is kind of like that, right? I mean, you, you know, you're basically trading, you know, one bad contract for another, but I mean, look, Boogie and John Wall, they played together when they were at Kentucky for a season, so they mm-hmm. kind of know how and they do I think they do work out together too over the off season, you know, for a few years, so I think they know what makes the other tick. Now, can they do that with James Harden? That's a whole nother thing. So I feel bad for, you know, Coach Silas's son that he has to deal has to deal with it. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I mean, look, I'm sure. Look, I'm sure they'll probably sneak in in, in the West. I mean, look, I, I don't think that they're they're not going to be bad enough that they're going to be a lottery pick. You know, have a lottery pick, but I don't. They're not good enough to be like right there with the Lakers and Denver and, and those teams out west. Now, as for now, as for Westbrook going to Washington, I mean, look, I think if he realized that it's basically you know Bradley Beal's team, maybe that'll help a little bit. I think they will look. I think it's easier to make the the playoffs in the East than it is in the West. So the the Wizards will have probably have a a, a easier. I don't want to say easier time, but it's a little. Mm-hmm. It'll be easier for them to get in the playoffs there. So it'll like I said, you know, you know, it, it's gonna be very interesting with the with the Wizards because you know the the style they 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 play is sort of like something that Westbrook's accustomed to. So it's gonna be interesting to see how does how he adapts to that style. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think both teams will make the playoffs in their respective conferences, but other than that, I'm not really expecting much. <laughs> yeah, I know that also uh, Westbrook is reunited with his old uh, first head coach in Scott Brooks, who used yeah. to coach him in Oklahoma City. Uh-huh. Uh, that's going to be an interesting dynamic there. But after that, like I said, I don't expect too much from both of these teams. I really don't. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a playoff, maybe a playoff, uh, maybe a playoff spot. Maybe I think I can see the I can see the Wizards sort of sneaking in to get that seven or eight seed in, in the in the East because because it's, it, it's there for the taking. 
I mean, I think the the Rockets, I don't look, they're not gonna be bad. No, they'll end up winning like maybe forty five and get like maybe the six six or down six seven C in the West because I just think that they're, they're I don't think a lot's gonna be expected them to get there. So I'm not worried too much. So I think they'll both make the playoffs just because I think it's it's too hard not to. Um, yeah, I agree. All right, so we're going to take a really quick break. Um, what we got coming up next in the second hour, Sid? We'll have our NFL picks, college football, and we'll have special guest, uh, Chicago's very own Miss Christine Manica. She works at KXRB Radio in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. She'll hop on with us. We'll have an entertaining segment, to say the least. Yeah, so we'll try to kind of clean up this this crapola that we we talk about bears and lions. So <laughs> we'll be we'll be right back with you know because it is gonna be crapola. I'll, I'll tell you guys when I, when we get to our picks, but <laughs> we'll be right back with more hashtag bears poop. Bears poop. <laughs> yeah, we gotta get that trending. So we'll be right back with more second season sports Zoom style. Zoom style. Welcome back to our second half of the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. <laughs> Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80. That's S I D K I D 80. That's S I D K I D 80. You follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other programming uh, with War Media. That's weareregalradio.com. Visit our website for more details. You can follow our, 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 our podcast along with our other podcast programming from War Media by simply going to War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. Wherever you download your podcast, make sure you uh, search for War on Anchor. And we are also on iHeartRadio. Please download the iHeartRadio app, and when you do, type in that search engine box, War on Anchor, that's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're also on the tube, a.k.a. YouTube, at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. You can only listen to us, but you can watch us do our thing live. Hello. Oh. All right, that's enough. Yeah, <laughs> Look alive. Like, yeah. Oh, that's how it's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Join us in our uh, second half of the show. She's a Chicago native, a broadcaster at KXRB Radio in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. She does the uh, morning show on the country music radio station. She's a White Sox fan and she's a sports junkie. I told her before this show she's going to have to bring it because that's what we do here on Second City Sports. Her name is Miss Christine Manica. Christine, welcome to the show. How are you? You know what? I'm great, and it's so refreshing to talk to Chicagoans, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so refreshing, and I miss it. It's great to be on here with you guys. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's great to have you on. Where can people follow you via the social media? Oh, gosh. So it is C Manica. so my last name, M-A-N-I-K-A underscore K-X-R-B. Nice. Okay, and where can people follow you via the Insta? Via the Insta, C-M-M-A-N-I-K-A-15. Nice. All right. 
Lakina, what's going on with our NFL picks as we kick off the second segment? Well, we're right back where we were uh, two weeks ago <laughs> because, you know, it, we had, like, some losses and some other stuff, especially not only with the Wednesday. No more Wednesday football, okay? Please, no, no. That was, just, <laughs> that was too weird. But uh, you, we're right back where we were. You're up three games on Lamont and four games on <laughs> Yeah, you actually picked up a game after everything that's happened. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> too bad Lamont's not with us. Thank you, Atlanta Falcons. As I said uh, last week at this yeah. time, they were upset the uh, upset the Raiders, and that's exactly what they did. That's unbelievable. Told you listen still. to your boy. Oh, stop that's it! Still unbelievable. That's a. It's, it's, <laughs> I know, right? That, that was some stuff. I had him as my. I had him as my dud, uh, Christine. So I was like, oh my god, like what the heck is going on? Right. With oh my gosh. But uh, all right. So we're gonna let's let's breathe through these picks. Uh, picks it. Um, you got the Browns and the Titans. I got Lamaz picks right right here. So you start off. I'm going with the Titans. I'm impressed by what the Browns have been doing this year. Of course, taking the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands has all been about the running game with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. I think they'll hang in there for a minute, but I think the Titans are, Titans are a better team. And so I believe they're at home, correct, Lakina? Yes, yep. They're at home. They, uh, head coach Mike Vrabel should be a, one of the top head coaches for uh, Coach of the Year. I think they'll get it done at home. It's going to be kind of close, but I'm picking the Titans to win. Yeah, I think this is gonna be all about the run. It's gonna be all about the running backs, right? I mean, you got, of course, you got mm-hmm. the Browns and their and their tandem, but you know, Derrick Henry. I mean, he's he's like a one man band. So I think he'll do more than they're running the Browns running backs. So I'm gonna pick the Titans too, just because I think that and because they're at home too, and Lamont also has the Titans, so it's a sweep. All right, you got the Raiders. Christine, who do you have? Who do you have, Christine? Oh, it's got to be the Titans. I mean, going off of what you said, Sid, Baker Mayfield, he has really turned that team around within the last season. But I don't know, Titans were that powerhouse team last year, and I think they're going to carry that over for this weekend. Uh, I agree with you. Okay, uh, okay, Christine, with the speaking of the Raiders, as we were talking about how bad they were <laughs> la- last week, they they faced the Jets, the winless Jets. So, do the Jets get their first win of the season, or do the Raiders no. right the ship? Okay, <laughs> no, no, I'm just gonna stop that right there. I think most Raider fans, and I talk with a bunch of my coworkers at this. I think they're hoping that they don't actually win, so they can get Trevor Lawrence on their side. Oh, so. Gosh. I- I know it's horrible to say that, but no, I don't think the Jets are going to pull it out this week at all. So I got to go Raiders. Say what about you? So the Raiders must play much better. They're still in the AFC wildcard playoff hunt. And so I think they'll have a better performance. I think it's going to be closer than what people give it credit for. I'm taking the Raiders on the road. Yeah, it's going to be close, but I think the Raiders pull it out. I mean, there's no way they could lose to the, the Jets, right? Right. Right? <laughs> and Lamont, and, our, and our, our, our friend Lamont picked the, 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 the Raiders too, so another sweep there. Another sweep here probably, Jags and Vikings. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the one time I'm going to root for the Vikings, I'll give it to the Vikings and Mr. Kirk Cousins. Seriously, they, they are turning it around so far. I know the Minnesota fans are out here are really excited for it. So, yeah, I'm giving this one to Minnesota. The one time. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> giving them a mulligan. I love it. I'm picking Minnesota, too. Just save the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vikings. All right. Um, Bengals and Dolphins. Ooh. 
Oh gosh, that's a, this is now. This is where I wish uh, Joe Burrow was playing. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That'd be crazy. Dogs. Yeah, I think because it would have had a shot, right, guys? Yeah, definitely. I have my coworker. He's a big Dolphins fan. And I poke fun at him a lot for just saying, hey, did they win this week? No. Oh, too bad. But now that they have Tua on their side, I, I think this is going to be a big turnaround for them and what we can see in the future from the Dolphins for sure. So as much as I want to say the Bengals and let them be the underdog, I'm going to go with Miami. I'm going with the Dolphins as well. They have a better defense. Yeah, I – yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think because their defense, I think they're going to get who, – who's, who's, who's going to be the starter for them? I forgot. But uh, for the Bengals, I mean. But, uh, yeah, they're going to – they're going to – yeah, they're, look, they're going to – whoever it is, they're going to – I hope he uh, – especially with that O-line, forget yeah. it. Yeah, that's not happening. So, Dolphins and uh, Lamont picked the Dolphins too. All right, a tricky one here in the AFC South. You got the Colts and the Texans. Ooh. That's a tough one, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. Oh my gosh. Uh God. I mean, shoot. I you got the veteran and then you got the somewhat of a newcomer, but in the NFL long enough and seasoned, man, I don't know. This is tough. Well, Buckner is playing. He got clear through concussion protocol, so he's back. That might help a little bit. Oh gosh. I'm gonna go for the upset. I'll I'll say the Texans in the upset. I I'll I'll I'm gonna go for it. I'll let you go next, Christine. I'm still deciding. It's a coin flip. Me too. <laughs> Me I know. Too? That's not fair. I know. <laughs> well, okay. Well, Lamont, Lamont's got Indy, so that'll that that's right there. You know what? I'm gonna go Indiana too. I I, I gotta I gotta go with Indy for this one. I guess I'll jump on your bandwagon, Christine. I'll go with the Colts as well. I know it's this. That's a tough one. It is. Watson. He's such a solid quarterback. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. It'll yeah, be, it's tough. It's going to be a close game, no doubt about it. Um, here, Okay, here are the good one here in the NFC South. You got the Saints and the Falcons. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. Uh, shoot. Oh, gosh. Uh, of course, Lamont, our buddy Lamont's got the Saints. the big Saints fan, so, of course, mm-hmm. he picked the Saints. Uh, shoot. I mean, Atlanta's been playing so well lately, even though they didn't have Jones, they didn't have Gurley, so – and I'm sure they would love to throw a monkey wrench into the uh, the Saints, you know, a chance to get that number one seed in the, a- in the NFC. You know, Taysom, I mean, Taysom Hill's been playing pretty right. well and has not made any big mistakes for them. So I think he keeps that going. I'm picking the Saints. I didn't think of the Saints. No, I can agree with that, actually, Lakita. But I, I don't know, something in me – because Falcons, they've been known to have that comeback personality right. at the second right. half, right? Yeah. So I think I'm going to go Falcons with this one. I love the Saints. They have a solid O-line. They have a solid quarterback right now. But I got to go Falcons. I think I'm going to hop on your bandwagon, Christine, and here's why. I know Atlanta were embarrassed at the Superdome a couple weeks ago, and that was Taysom Hill's first start. And number yeah. two, I think I think it's supposed to be the last game before Drew Brees comes back. I and believe I so, think if yeah. New Orleans lose this game, it's not going to be too much off their back because I think they're battling Seattle for that top spot in the NFC yeah. right now. Yep. And so I, I, I won't be surprised uh, uh, of a letdown from the Saints at all. I won't be surprised. I'm going with the Falcons. 
Should be a fun one, though. Um, okay, Giants and Seahawks. And it looks like they'll be without Daniel Jones. The Giants will be, and it's in Seattle. I'm picking the Seahawks. I got to go with my Seahawks boy, here. Wilson. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. It's just cool. <laughs> nice. Okay, it's a sweep. Seattle, because Lamont's got Seattle as well. Another tough one here, guys. You got the, in the NFC West. You got the Rams and the Cardinals. Mm. <laughs> and I'm not picking I would first. never be watching this game in its entirety via my computer. Kyler <laughs> <laughs> uh, Murray, as a fan, I'm rooting for him. Arizona gave their game away last week at New England. They're yep. still in the thick of the playoff race. If they win, they'll be a game, I believe, behind the Rams in the mm -hmm. uh, second place in the NFC West. But Arizona needs this game more than the Rams. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with the logic data statistics and overall a better roster i'll hope i'm wrong but i'm going with the rams christine interesting you know just to be devil's advocate sid i'm gonna say the birds you know i gotta go with arizona for for this one just just to be the devil's advocate i think you're right but I, i'm definitely gonna go with arizona I don't want to pick. I don't want to pick. They're, they're I know, tough. it's tough. <laughs> it, I mean, look, I, I've been telling Arizona all year. You know, Sid knows this, uh, and so is our friend Lamont. And I, I think Sid has too. But, my God, they should not have got they, – they gave that game away in New England. And mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm sure the Rams are going to want to redeem themselves too. They lost to Seattle. So, I'm going to pick oh, – gosh. I mean, I'll, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going to pick the Rams. I, I, I just – uh, I mean, I just think talent-wise, they're better. I think their defense is better. I trust them more. So, I'm picking the Rams. And but you know, look, look, Lamont's picking Arizona. So we're split there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. Patriots and the Los Angeles Chargers. Give me the Patriots. Oh man. Um. Oh gosh. You know what? If Noonan does his thing and if the O-line is on point and if the defense pulls their act together, I'll go Patriots. I pick the Patriots too because, uh, yeah, talent-wise, I think that they're better. But uh, look, our, our, uh, Lamont, Lamont's got the Chargers, so yep. he must see something that we don't. But look, I wouldn't be surprised if they pull off the, the quote-unquote upset. I right. won't be surprised either. Yeah, absolutely. So this is another one of those toss-up games. Next one here is probably not a toss-up game. And it's the last in the three three twenty-five sl slot. You got the Eagles and the Packers. Most of the nation will get to see that poop. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so poop, it's gonna be poop. it's gonna be poop. Yeah, because I'm gonna pick the Packers, and it's gonna be big. Gosh. Packers big. You know, we were. I was just talking about the Eagles to one of my coworkers the other day. They're such a frustrating team. I don't know. It's because of the whole team in itself, or it's just Carson Wentz. Like, like I don't know. Like, who's the bigger problem out of it? And just because you know Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, it's got to be the Packers for this one. I think the Eagles will play better, but like you said, Christine. Aaron Rodgers is an X factor. Of course, we saw yeah. that last week, which we'll mention uh, later. <laughs> I'm going... I, I don't think I'm ready for that conversation just yet. <laughs> we we'll, got to purge We'll stretch it. We'll stretch it out as long as we can. Uh, it's a sweet. <laughs> I love it. It's a sweet pair uh, because Lamont's got Green Bay as well. Like I said, 
the nation. I'm sorry, guys. They're gonna, most of the nation going to get end up seeing that uh, poop. So I think Jim Nance will be bringing a master, uh, the golf master stories oh, yeah. during the nation. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Saying, oh, if yeah. it gets no. ugly in a hurry. Oh yeah, I'm sure he will. He will. I'm sure he's already preparing for that too. <laughs> and Tony Robbo will be busting out old jokes. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Oh yeah, and you know it's coming. Uh, <laughs> in the AFC West here, you got the Broncos and the Chiefs. Do they have a quarterback, the Broncos? I'm just, I'm That's just, a great question. Is it, does anybody play? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like They're available now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they, they've been clear, but I don't think it's going to make a difference. I got KC. KC in a, uh, in a, uh, in a blowout. Yeah, it, it's going to be one of those blowout games for sure, and it's got to be KC. And here's the interesting thing I noticed about them last game. They're known also to be like this explosive team come the second half and kind of have a slower start. That didn't happen. Right. Play Tom Brady. They were explosive straight out the gate. So who knows? That could be the same situation this time or because knowing who they're playing against, they could hold off a little bit. They could be a little bit more like, I'm going to hold off on this big throw. I'm going to hold off on that big tackle and run and right. run. So it's going to be KC in the end, but they're going to ease into that big victory. I'm going with Kansas City. If Kansas City takes care of business, Pat Mahomes should be on the bench in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All those secretaries will be playing by then, no doubt. And Lamont's got KC, too. Uh, the first of two Monday Nighters, this actually was a Monday Nighter that was supposed to have been scheduled for Sunday. It got pushed back. So now we got two Monday nighters, yay! Monday Monday games, I should say. Um, Washington and the Steelers, the undefeated Steelers. Mm. I know, right? Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> the, gosh! Oh my goodness! Um, it's a chance for a letdown only because Pittsburgh played on Wednesday. Right. So that's, that's why. True. That's, that's why. Yeah, that's why I say people don't be surprised if, if Washington's been off for what ten days. So don't be surprised, mm -hmm. and they want to keep pace within that. They know that the NFC East slot playoff spots right there in their grasp. So if they win this, it'll be a nice little confidence boost for them. Oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for the upset. I'm going for the upset. I, I'm gonna pick Washington just because you know a short week for Pittsburgh, longer week for them for uh, Washington, and I think Washington they're playing kind of like you know if they can slow down Antonio Gibson, they're gonna you know Steelers defense gonna have a very hard time, and, and Bud Dupree's out for the rest of the year, so that's a big that's a big uh, hole in that pass rush defense for them. I'll go with the Steelers. You know, I love seeing a victory team. I love seeing a team that can possibly break history again. The last time this happened was the Miami Dolphins. And we all know around this time, they're going to start bringing back those old players saying, do you think they're going to break your record? Do you think they're going to do it? So I'm going to say go Steelers for this one. I'm going with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, I think Lamont's got Pittsburgh too. That's okay. I'll, I'll be on my little, little island. I'm, I'm used to that. Be <laughs> unique. Of course. Uh, the Monday Nighter, you got the Bills and the 49ers. Should be an interesting one here. In Arizona. Uh, yes, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, because, yeah, they, they're not Spencer allowed to play. County has kicked them out. <laughs> yeah, they're not allowed to play there. So, yeah, so they're playing their home game in Arizona. <laughs> so. That should be, and also Buffalo too. Like, oh lord, we got to go back to Arizona after that <laughs> that hail mary we lost. Yeah, really. Like, really? I don't think they're happy about that. But I, I think they'll exercise those demons. I think, I think Buffalo, I think will win. I think they'll, they'll be able to exercise those demons there. I think, I think Buffalo will win it. 
the 49ers oh. had such a high last season. Seriously, like they were riding that wave. I yep. thought they were going to win it all. And then Jimmy G just had to break my heart slowly but surely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it's tough to say the Bills are having a better season. I'm going to say 49ers just because miracles can happen, right? So let's go 49ers for this one. <laughs> I'm going with Buffalo. Yeah, and our, our friend Lamont has San Francisco, so he's, so he's going for the upsets. Yeah. All right, a Tuesday nighter here because of COVID and everything. They've had to shuffle the schedule. So this is now a Tuesday night matchup that will be on Fox. You got the Cowboys and the Ravens. I'm not watching this one, but I'm going with Baltimore. <laughs> they, oh man cowboys have had a difficult quarterback situation too but I, it's ravens no question about it for me this is one of those get right games and look you know baltimore needs this to get themselves back into the playoff chase so they can't afford a bad another bad loss so i'm gonna pick the the ravens and i think they're gonna take it out on dallas that they should have won that they probably should have won that game they probably could have won that game if everybody had been healthy so we'll see there uh, and also um lamont also has baltimore all right Last but not least, we always do the Bears games last, Christine. Bears and Lions. Um, before, before we came on, Christine, I said that this could be one of those 6-3-9-6 uh, old-school NFC, you know, central-type games because, you know, both these teams are in purgatory at this point. So, look. Oh, Jesus. Um, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> Well, You're no, not ready. I'm not I'm ready not, either. I'm not ready. We're not ready. We're not, I'm not ready. ready. <laughs> We're, I'm not ready either, Christine. Like, okay, Sydney, are you ready to pick? <laughs> uh, I have the Bears only because the numbers are in their favor. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Okay. That's it. Well, <laughs> That's it. That's all you got, right? That's all you got to say. Um, <laughs> gosh. So I'm looking. Okay, I'm Detroit, right? Just yep. got rid of my head coach. Just got rid of my GM, basically cleaning house. Then again, you got this all-star and a Hall of Famer of a quarterback, but you absolutely have no offensive line to back that up. Same with the defense. Even when the offense lacks off, the defense can't pick up the slack either. Right. You look at the Bears. They didn't win a game at all in November. That's no secret there. You, they've had that struggling quarterback situation with Foles and with Trubisky. Now with Coach Nagy adamantly saying, yes, Mitch is the starter. Mitch is going to get that snap. He is going to run this team to victory because right now we are 1-0 and against the Lions. That's our mindset right now. So after seeing Trubisky's performance with the Packers, showing how quick he can get the ball out of the pocket, showing how quick he can move on his feet when he has to scramble. I, oh man, I got to go with the Bears. Not to be a homer, but I got to go with the Bears just for the fact that considering the messed up situation we have and what the Lions have, we're in more of that stable position right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, numbers-wise, I think, you know, the Bears, it's all the Bears. I mean, 
the, yeah. the, the roster's a little bit better and, you know, just the, the logic of it. So reluctantly, I'm picking the Bears. But again, if the, if the Lions do end up winning it, I'm not going to be surprised and I won't be mad about it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Nothing surprises me with this team anymore. And also Lamont picked, also picked the Bears. So those are our NFL Week 13 picks. All right. All right. <laughs> Let's get this second segment started. Uh, Christine, who are you? I know you Chicago's very young. Um, uh, what year were you born? What school did you go to? How did you become a, a, a broadcaster? How did you become such a sports fanatic? Oh, gosh. So where do I begin? Uh, 95. I was born in 1995. Um, actually, in Oak Lawn, um, my parents both grew up on the south side. My mom's from Evergreen Park. Nice. from Hickory Hills. I'm a twin. My twin oh. sister is currently, yeah, a veterinarian student at the University of Illinois in Champaign. She's currently on her second year for that, about to get going with finals. Um, I, I went to high school at Queen of Peace, Queen of Peace High School, class of 2014. And then from there, I went to college at St. Joseph's College in Rensselaer, Indiana for three years. And you know, any Bears fanatic knows that St. Joseph used to be the Bears training camp years and years back. Yeah. And it's also where mm -hmm. they filmed that movie, Brian's Song. And everybody is yeah. familiar with that one. Yeah. But unfortunately, and this made Chicago news too at the time, um, they shut down operations um, at the end of the 2017 academic year. And at the time, I was only a junior. So my sister and I had to go through the college process again. And we ended up finishing our degree at St. Xavier University in Chicago on time um, in 2018. So, yeah, how did I become a broadcaster? Um, I, I like to say that I was a very precocious kid growing up. Like, I, I was very <laughs> I was very mindset, and I kind of knew what I wanted right away. But the thing that made it more apparent to me was I was in maybe sixth or seventh grade, and my English teacher, Mrs. Pedrick, she noticed that, you know, I have a passion for telling stories. I have a passion for talking to people and really getting to know someone. But then again, I also had that love for sports. I was an athlete all the way up until I was in high school. And I just said, you know, I want to, I want to talk sports more. And then she's like, why don't you be a sports reporter? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm really going to work hard for that. And so I thought, let me do four sports in high school. So at Queen of Peace, I ran cross country. I played volleyball, did basketball, and then I also ran track and did a little bit of shot put work too. And I just thought with all that background I have in sports and just being in a big sports area that I got this, you know, I thought for sure, like, this is it. This is going to be my career. This is what I want to do. And I carried that over with me at St. Joseph's College. They had a great program. My professors, Fred and Sally Berger, they really were great mentors for me and still are to this day. I had my own radio show on WPUM, The Joe, um, from 4 to 7 on Friday nights for the three years I was there. Every Friday I would do it. Then I also was a news and sports anchor for the college TV station, uh, TV6 News. 
And also when it came to football season and basketball season, I did sideline reporting for football with the radio station. And then come basketball season, I was the color analyst for women's basketball. And then I did play-by-play for men's basketball, which is just such a thrill and a rush in itself if you, if you get that drift. So once the college closed, I, I really didn't know where I was going for once in my life. You know, I always had a set plan of what I wanted to do, where I was going to end up. And for once and out of nowhere, it ended. And I literally had no idea where to go. So not only was I trying to figure out where I was going to college, but being a junior, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need an internship. Where am I going to find an internship and find a new college all in the same year? And the, it both happened. So the first thing that happened was my internship. I ended up getting a summer internship with Fox 32 News in Chicago. And I worked with, you know, Jake Hamilton, who's there, um, Anita Padita, Sylvia Perez, which I complete fangirled over, and she knows this. (laughs) She is one of the reasons, her and Tracy Butler, when I was a kid growing up, are reasons why I wanted to be in this industry, just from watching them my entire life. And also with Robin Baumgarten too, you know, she's a graduate of Queen of Peace and I met her through that connection. And again, she, she's also been a great mentor to me. And then on the sports side with the Fox 32 internship, I was with Lou Canellis. I was with Laura. Great guy. I was with Shea Pepler. Um, great person too. Yeah. Great, all of them, seriously. And, you know, the the internship, I say, was probably the best summer of my life because not only did I get that sports experience, it also led me more into the news side of things, led me more into the entertainment side of things. And then senior year, St. Xavier, I'm there. I was able to do radio, have my own show on Friday nights there, too, from 4 to 7 um, on WXAV. And then they had their own, it wasn't a TV station. It was more like their sports program for St. Xavier. So I was with um, the athletic department, with the marketing department and, and stuff like that. And I was able to do color for women's basketball and then play-by-play for men's basketball for that. And we traveled all over the place. And that was the difference that set St. Joe and St. Xavier apart. We just did home games. But with St. Xavier, we traveled to – to city for championships we traveled to roosevelt we went to iowa a few times and uh wisconsin it was it was fun and, and that's when i knew yeah this is what i want to do this is what i want i want to travel i want to be in the team and i want to get in the know and the thick of everything sports um so then applying for jobs came up and i again precocious i applied for jobs starting in January, then I realized, what am I doing? This is way too early to do anything like this. So I I held off a little bit, pumped the brakes. And then I started applying any and everywhere, probably around March. And, you know, I applied to places like Indiana. I think I did somewhere in Missouri, Wisconsin. I didn't even try with Illinois or Chicago, really, because you need to have experience to get in the, that top market, that top three market. So I was really looking at who's going to give me experience. And it was actually my friend Josh that told me one night, 
we're going to find you a job. We're going to get an application going and go from there. So he actually found my first television job in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I'm like, gosh, where the heck is Sioux Falls? You know, I know South Dakota. I know that's where Mount Rushmore is, but where is Sioux Falls? So I'm looking it up on the map and it's about 20 minutes away from the state line, from the border. And I said, okay, that's not too far. That's about an eight hour drive that I can do it. I can manage. And I applied to the NBC affiliate station. And at the time it was called KDLT. And the next day I got an email from the general manager saying, we want to interview you. The interview happened probably a few days after that. And the week after I graduated from St. Xavier, that's when I got the job offer. And it kind of had a fast pace after that. I, I think it was about two weeks after I graduated, I moved out here, not knowing anybody, not really knowing the town, not knowing the sports, not knowing the, the political, the local businesses, anything like that. I was going into this completely blind. And I can honestly say from the time that I moved here from right now, I have learned so much about this state. I, I mean, it, there's just so many layers. It's like an onion. You always keep on finding a new layer with this yeah. state. And I've never, I've never been out to the West. I've never seen Mount Rushmore before. And I had that opportunity finally back this August. And it's just a whole different way of living from what it is East River, that's what they call it, to West R River, pretty much. And it, it's just, it's a, one state, but it's totally different ways of life, for sure. Now, you, now we were, before we started recording, you, we, you talked about the, the COVID situation, because we've been talking about it for yeah. months, if not weeks. Unfortunately, South Dakota has made headlines. The, the, the governor there, she's been very, like, adamant, like, yeah, you know what? You know, everybody go, you know, go about your business. Don't wear a mask, you know, this and that. And now South Dakota is, like, one of, like, the hot spots for COVID. I know, you know, how have you been able to kind of, like, try to, you know, stay safe when, Take precautions when a lot of people, are, you know, in your state has not been doing that. <laughs> it's very interesting that you weren't like that. Um, so obviously this is an unprecedented situation, right? I mean, we've never been through this before. There is no playbook, so to speak, on how to handle a global pandemic. So at first, our governor gave us the freedom. She loves using that word, freedom gave us the freedom to kind of decide for ourselves what we want to do. And for everybody else in the world, COVID kind of became a reality in February. Mid-February, I started hearing little rumblings about it because my, my parents were telling me, oh yeah, we have COVID out here. And I'm like, what? What's COVID? Like, we don't know what that is. Probably a few weeks after that conversation, our governor did have a press conference saying, yeah, COVID's a thing. COVID's happening. This is what it is. This is what we know. We have not had a confirmed case yet here in our state. But when we do, we're coming up with a plan and we're going to navigate this together. And we're like, all right. So, so far, we're pretty much in the clear. It wasn't until March 10th when we got our first case of COVID. And I believe um, that case was in Mitchell, South Dakota, which is about 90 minutes away from here. So 
then we kind of had to think, okay, what, what are we going to do? What are the precautions? What are we going to do here at the office as a radio station? And it was interesting for, from my perspective, because at that point, I just got a new radio partner at KXRB. I started working at KXRB in July of 2018, left the TV station at KDLT to pursue this opportunity. And not even, oh, two weeks into us being together, we already had to work from home. And oh, we wow. I know. Mm. And, oh, my and gosh. We, and we already had to rearrange our, our schedules and time. So we were told, all right, Andy, my partner, he is going to do the morning show from home. I'm going to be taking over the midday shift. And Randy, my, my other coworker, he's going to stick in his, you know, three to six, two to six spot or whatever. Only a limited amount of people were allowed in the office. So there was probably about seven or eight people. Two days into us working from home full time, get an email, get a text message saying, great news, you got approved to be in the studio during the morning show because we want to keep you guys together. And the deal with that was I would go in at my normal time, do the show, and once 10 o'clock hit, show's over, I would go home and do whatever else I had to do at home. So it was kind of interesting to, to kind of working from home and not really working from home because I was still going in the office. I was still doing whatever I had to do before I could leave and do whatever else I wanted to do at home. So there was about, in total, by the, by the time this all was said and done, maybe about nine of us in the office. And we're pretty lucky where our radio station, it's pretty spaced out. We have lots of levels. We have lots of space, very easy to social distance and whatnot. And my, my general manager, our general manager, Don Jacobs, he's, he's done a remarkable job making sure everyone at the company is safe. Everyone feels comfortable working. Um, there's hand sanitizer everywhere, cleaning equipment and whatnot. But it was, it was pretty crazy for a little bit. We got back to the office officially in May, and that's when things were kind of getting better and whatnot. And at the same time, everyone is shutting down. Everyone is having those mass mandates. And that's not the case here in Sioux Falls or in the state of South Dakota. Why it hasn't happened until now I can't answer that. I'm not in the mind of our mayor. I'm not in the mind of our governor. And she, you know, I, I think she handled it the best way that she could just because it is an unprecedented situation and nobody really knows how to go through something like this. And like I said before, when you look at the whole state, when you actually drive through South Dakota, we're already social distancing as it is. I mean, you have neighbors that are probably a mile and a half, two miles down from the road. It's all, it's farming land out here. Besides Sioux Falls, Rapid City, it's all open spaces. So it, it just, putting it in that perspective, it, it just, it, it just doesn't work for everyone. It's not a one size fits all type of program. So I think that's why our governor gave the city officials the freedom and the power to do whatever they think it's best. And surprisingly enough, the city of Brookings, that's about 
50 minutes away from Sioux Falls. That's the home of South Dakota State University, SDSU, the Jackrabbits. Everyone gets it confused with with uh, San Diego State University, but no. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> they were the first city to implement a mask mandate. And that was huge. That was a huge deal because technically Sioux Falls is bigger than the city of Brookings. So the fact that that happened, we were all kind of in this waiting waiting game going, all right, when is this going to happen for us? When are we getting a mask mandate? And at the time when they passed that mandate, things were starting to get better. You know, the weather was getting nicer. People were outside and cases were going down. Now we're in maybe end of August, beginning of September, we're seeing those cases go up. We're seeing those hospitalizations go up. And our healthcare systems are just stretched. They're stretched thin. And it was actually the, two of the Sioux Falls City Council members just recently in the beginning of November that finally said, we need to do something. We need to implement some form of a mask mandate. So the first mask mandate proposal, it passed the first reading of the council, but it was rejected by the second reading. And the main reason why was because there was a penalty attached to it. It was a fine pretty much if anyone was not seen wearing a mask or if you're in a public space where social, social distancing is not acceptable, you would get a penalty, you would get a fine for that. And the community did not respond well to, to that. So that was rejected. Less than a week later, um, Councillor Janet Brecky, I just had an interview with her the other day, she said, we need an emergency mask mandate because this is not getting better. And she reintroduced it to the council along with some other fellow council members who actually flipped to a different side. Some of them saying, yeah, we need this. We need to do something. And right away, immediately on November 10th, or maybe it was the next week, they approved that mask mandate and it went into effect immediately. And the interesting thing is, along with our governor, our mayor, Mayor Paul Ted Hagen, he's done a great job with this pandemic too, considering he's a first-term mayor, he's gone through floods, he's gone through tornadoes, all this natural disaster stuff in a one term. And he's handled it, I think, with grace and ease and whatnot. But he was not for masks. He was for wearing masks and wearing them often, but he just didn't believe that a mask mandate would, would efficiently change the situation. Because in his mind, and I can see this, Sioux Falls is just one tiny area of the big state. Us putting in a mask mandate would only be the smaller part of the problem. It wouldn't fix the entire problem out of it. So he, in that first, in that first mask mandate proposal, he had to actually break the tie. The council was split four to four. Mm. And he ended up breaking the tie. And he started off by saying, it's no secret how I have felt about a mask mandate, but I do fully support wearing masks in businesses where you can't social distance, in restaurants, in gatherings that you can't social distance. So he, he had a tough call. He had a lot riding on his shoulders for sure. And I think he's just thankful that this time around the council passed it six to two in all honesty, because that's a lot of pressure. But aside from all this COVID stuff that's been surrounding South Dakota and the media for nine months, 
there's a lot of great things happening. We just had Amazon announce that they're building a location here in Sioux Falls. They already broke ground. It started. And that's a big deal for little Sioux Falls to have a major retailer company coming here and picking Sioux Falls. And this is going to see like a, seem like a smaller part, but Chipotle is opening up next week. The first Chipotle in South Dakota is opening up next week. <laughs> and I'm a parade. <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, oh, I wow. want to start a parade. I want to cut the ribbon for that thing personally. But it's just <laughs> little things like that that are continuing our economic growth here in Sioux Falls and in the state and just in the economy in general. And also the 5G. We were one of the first cities to have that 5G implemented here. So there's a lot of great things happening. It's just a shame that it's all happening during COVID right now. Yeah. Christine Manica of KXRB Radio in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Today's real country is joining us here. That's a good, that's a good slogan. Hey, tell your manager to pay me. I'll do it for him. Your <laughs> resilience streak is in the mail. <laughs> Christine Manica of KXRB Radio in Sioux Falls, South Dakota is joining us here on the weekend edition of Second City Sports along with LaKeena McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Let's get back to the business of sports. Uh, Christine, of course, uh, the White Sox. I'm a White Sox fan. If you're yeah. watching on YouTube, I have my jerseys behind me. I have the uh, number 32 jersey uh, above me. I'll let you explain that in a minute. But uh, the White Sox last season returned to the playoffs for the first time since 2008. Of course, they hired Hall of Fame manager Tony La Russa, too much of the fans chagrin. Uh, where do you see the White Sox in the near di distant, in the near future, rather? Is the World Series a bust? Oh, gosh, that's a tough question. That's a loaded question right there. Um, <laughs> I'll admit, I am on the fence with Belarusa just because his history did come out recently. I'll put it at that. I don't think it was the smartest move just because, yes, he's a Hall of Famer in his own right. He was a great player. But it, it's just... I don't want to say it's his age, but it could be his age. We're talking about a younger clubhouse. People that want to play, players that want to play and start kind of a revelation, I want to say, for the White Sox. Is he going to hinder that process or is he going to try to move it forward? I don't know. And it's funny when you say, I'll let you explain Adam Dunn's jersey behind you. Because I see that as <laughs> just a whole bunch of disappointment right there from that time of the White Sox. I was there when Adam Dunn had to pitch, when they brought him in. <laughs> I was at that game when he had to pitch. And we thought, I was with my mom and sister, and we thought, this is a joke. Like, this is a straight joke. <laughs> nope, it was actually happening. And with all due respect, you know, the guys this year played under extreme circumstances. They are technically a year ahead of schedule with getting into the playoffs. That hasn't happened in a long time. And I was so excited. I'm oh like, gosh, if 2020 can't get any stranger, this is it right here. <laughs> but I do have I do have confidence in the veteran players that are on the team. I have confidence in Abreu. I have confidence in Timmy Anderson. 
uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting season, season just to see how these players do develop under La Russa. But are they going to make the playoffs? Th- that's hard to say given such the untreaded situation right now. We're on untreaded waters with given the history of Tony La Russa that just came out and now basically having new coaches all the way around with Don Cooper, you know, that, that big news too coming out um, when, when it was announced about La Russa too, or uh, Ricky Renteria when he was going to leave. So it's going to be a shift in the organization for sure. Do they have a chance? Absolutely. Every team has a chance to make it to the playoffs. That's, that's everyone's goal. Do I think it will happen this year? I do you see my face right now? It's so oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, she's perplexed. You're perplexed. I, it's such it, you know, it's it's troubling to hear that even he hasn't talked to many of the players either even. So yeah, I don't know. I'll I'll go with yes, they have a chance just because of how much promise they showed after the end of this season, given the circumstances. And who knows what baseball is going to look like this coming season, if COVID's still going to be around, if fans are going to be in the stands. That big announcement about um, basically the reverse Harry Carey that, oh, yeah. that's taking place now. <laughs> so it, it's, it's an adjustment. Everything is changing for the White Sox organization. Is it for the better? Only time will tell. Yeah, I mean, the pitching aspect, too. They're going to need another starting pitcher if you guys yes. want to be right there. So who do you think they should try to get? You know, we know Stroman's probably not going to come. Trevor Bauer might be somebody that the White Sox look to. Who do you think? You know, it's, it's funny that you bring that up because I actually saw something on Facebook saying, hey, should the White Sox get Chris Bryant on, on the team? And I kind of laughed at that one because that's just not going to happen. But I'll – you know, if anyone is willing to come to such a low organization right now that has had a history of bad pitchers, we had so much hope for Michael Kopech coming into last season too. Who knows if he's going to be ready to, to get back into the swing of things. But, but if they can get a big-name pitcher, then yeah, I'll have a little bit more hope for this team. Maybe – you know, the San Francisco guy can bring some of his own players on. <laughs> Maybe he can convince them. I don't know. But if they can get a big-name pitcher, that would definitely set the bar for sure, I think. Now let's head, let's head over to the north side, Christine. The Chicago Cubs, of course. Uh, 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 the Epstein. Yeah. <laughs> do we have to? <laughs> only. No, but uh, Theo Epstein has balance. stepped down. <laughs> Yeah, uh, DOFC has decided to step down. Jay Hoyer takes over as the new uh, Cubs president. Um, so many fans are upset because they see this might be a rebuild. Of course, they're going to year two of this mar- new marquee sports network. Uh, of course, now Lane Casper leads the TV booth to join the South Side on their radio team, their new home at ESPN 1000. But Lux focusing on the on-field issues. Christine, of course, Kyle Schwarber and Albert Amor Jr. are are not tender, so they're basically a free agents. Chris Bryant, he may uh, get that he is tender, so he'll he may come back for one more go around with the team. Do you see the Cubs train Chris Bryant in the off season, or do you think the Cubs might just 
go try to go for it one more time. I think it depends on his attitude. You know, if you recall last season, he was very, I don't want to say aggressive towards coming back to the Cubs, but he was really aggressive about it, saying, I don't know if I want to come back. I don't know if I want to mm-hmm. be with this team again. But then he kind of had to retract that statement a little bit. He, he kind of took it back and reeled it in, saying, all right, I'll give it one more go around. I'll give it a chance. So I think if Chris Bryant shows the right attitude at the beginning of this season, I think they will give him another go around. However, if that changes midseason, they may offer him up for someone bigger or maybe, depending on how their season goes, get a higher pick, get a higher draft pick out of it maybe somehow. Um, but I, I remember not being a Cubs fan. I remember, you know, Rizzo and Bryant. That was the power baseball couple, I'll call them. That yeah. was the <laughs> right there when it came to winning that World Series in 2016. That was the bread and butter of the organization. But once that slight rift happens, that changes things. That changes the tone and not only – the the guy that you're a partner with but with the whole team you just feel that type of energy so I'm gonna go with it it all has to do about his attitude but given how much he has dedicated to Chicago and how much Chicago has responded to him I think they'll they'll sign him again yeah, it'll be very interesting. So let's go to hardware for a second. The Bulls. I mean training camp starting um, there seems to be a lot of optimism about the yeah. Bulls What's your realistic expectations for them? Because I, I look like I've been telling guys, I've said, look, if they can win 20, wait, 30, maybe 35 games, probably not enough to make the playoffs even in the East, but look, just progress, right? What's, what's, what are your thoughts? Can we go back to the primetime days of Derrick Rose and Joe King Noah? That'd be, <laughs> easy, that'd be an easier decision for me. Um, getting Billy Donovan as a coach, that's huge. Like, when I saw that news come out, I'm like, whoa, this, this team is serious. They want to have a winning season again. It's just been – it's tough being a Bulls fan. And I was – my, my co-host on my show, Andy, he is a, he's a big Chicago fan. We, we love basketball. We love the Bulls. Um, but it's been tough. Just as tough as it is being a Bears fan, it's tough being a Bulls fan just because – of how much hype they build up and how much expectations are expected to be met, but they are never met. Right. Similar to mm-hmm. the Bears, believe it or not. Um, so I, given this new team's energy with the coach and with the draft pick of Patrick Williams, I think that's going to spark a new energy within the team for sure. It's never going to be, let's face it, we're, we're never going to see another Derrick Rose or Joe King for, for a long time. It's going to be a few years until that happens again. But I think having a coach in Billy Donovan and having a pretty decent draft pick, I think that shows a lot of promise. I'm not saying that they're going to make the playoffs because as long as LeBron's on the court, they're not making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I will say I think that they will have a better season than in years past. And this is a team to look out for in the future. Let's head over to the ice, Christina, and the Chicago Blackhawks. Of course, GM Stan Bowman uh, a couple months ago said that this is not a rebuild. It's a retool. You still have Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. They're getting up their age. Of course, Patrick Kane's players continue to get better as his 
uh, as he's gotten older, of course. After the pause, they were invited to the 2014 playoff tournament. They beat Edmonton, and then they lost to Vegas in five games. Uh, where do you see the, the, the men in reds, I'll call them, handed? Uh, uh, not just for this season. It looks like it may start in late January, early February with a 56- or 52-game schedule. Do you see this team perhaps making the playoffs at least one more time? I know they got rid of Corey Crawford, but do you see this team making the playoffs one more time to do it, or do they have to strip it down some more? Well, first, congrats to Patrick Kane, a new daddy. That, yeah. That's yeah. I had no idea that that was even happening. So when I saw it, I'm like, well, that's cute. So congrats to, to Patrick Kane on his, on his new baby. Um, last year's season for the Blackhawks, that was rough. I, I mean, that was just Chicago sports in general last season, yeah. aside from the exception of the White Sox, it was just rough. All, all the way around. And I was fortunate enough last year to, to go to a game when I was home when they actually won, and that never happened. So <laughs> I went to a game last year, too, before they got shut down. It was actually December of last year. Actually, it's yeah. a year ago today. So, of course, uh, we, no one knew what happened what was going to happen now with this pandemic, but they right. actually won. Patrick had a hat trick that night. Yeah, so. he did. He did. He did. Yep. I'll go to my Instagram. I have it right there. <laughs> but I think with with this newfound birth in the coach, I think with kind of not in that rebuilding phase, but more like I, I want to call it a rejuvenation, like getting right. their spirits back up, getting right. their mojo back, getting that 2010 10 team energy back and gear. Because that was fun. Oh, I mean, yeah. Just, just seeing all of that. It's so much fun. So I think knowing all that new energy coming in, I think they're going to have a better season for sure. And there was a lot of tension with, with the previous coach just because maybe it was because he, because he was the youngest in the NFL coaching at the time. Or maybe the team was just horrible. All the fans had enough, had enough to do with it. But I think, you know, this is the one team in Chicago – that everyone can get on, that everyone's on board for. So I think that they will have a better season. Will they make the playoffs? Possibly, possibly. And, and you got to give credits, credit to, uh, to Crawford. He, he is a legend in that organization, yeah. in that own right, in his own right. Um, he did a lot of great things for that organization. Chicago yeah. loves him. He loves Chicago. And I know that was probably one of the difficult decisions the organization has had to make in recent years. But it's nice to know that he supports the team going forward and they have a really good relationship afterwards. Absolutely. It should be very interesting there. Um, let's go to the college uh, colleges for a second there, Christine. Um, yeah, college football, they're wrapping up their season. There have been a lot barely, of cats. They're, they're barely wrapping up yeah, their I, season. Right? They're, yeah, there have been, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's been a lot of cancellations. Um, Northwestern Minnesota just canceled. Um, Maryland and Minnesota, they've canceled as well. You know, do you think they'll be able to finish? You know, will there be – should there be an asterisk with, you know, this, you know, this season? I mean, what, what do you think? Everything's kind of been sort of in upheaval still. I think the whole sports season should have been an asterisk for, for the whole year, for not just college sports, but professional sports in general, just because of how 
weird the situation is. The difference is between what the pros did and what college kids ended up, college programs ended up doing is that they were still able to have somewhat of a normal season. You know, the NBA was on pause for a little bit. Baseball was on pause for God knows how long. Hockey seemed like it was never ending. But for the most part, college football seemed to end on, to start on time. Despite all of the, all of the COVID situations going on, they seem to end on time. Now, when it comes to making up games, again, you're looking at apples and oranges. I think some kids still want to finish their degree at some point. I think mm -hmm. they still got to go to class. I don't know. <laughs> hey, maybe COVID some of them don't go to class. <laughs> some of them don't even exactly. go to class. That's true. But I, I think just because this is the collegiate level, this isn't the pros, Maybe if they have a bye week in there still somewhere, they'll be able to fit in those games. But I, I think, you know, college, college football is going to end the way that it does. I mean, you, you didn't see Clemson saying, we're not going to play any schools because Trevor Lawrence is out. No, they still played. They still played Notre Dame, which go Notre Dame, by the way. Um, boo. <laughs> boo, that hurts me a little bit. Um, <laughs> granted, like, again, they, they won without Trevor Lawrence, you know, Notre Dame did. So everything still goes on. Life goes on. And I think that's what's going to happen with college football. Uh, heading down the home stretch with Christine Manica of KXRB Radio in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, here on the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom style, along with Lakina McGee, I'm Sydney Brown. We tried to hold it off, Christine, but we got to ask you for the journalistic portion of this program. Uh, the Chicago Bears, of course, I don't. We all know they're not going to make the playoffs, even even though we did pick them to beat Detroit the, uh, coming up on Sunday. If you're George McCaskey, of course, the McCaskies are not going to sell the team. So all you Bears fans thinking they're going to sell the team, it's not going to happen. If you were in George McCaskey's shoes, what would you do at the end of this year, providing they don't make the playoffs at the starting of the season five and one? Yeah, going off of what you said about the McCaskies, they're not selling. Virginia mm -hmm. was at Lambeau Field. She's not selling. Like, she is holding on to her team for sure. As far of what they're going to do, it, it kind of starts at the top. So I think you're going to evaluate how Ryan Pace's performance has been with this team and what he's done for them. And then you're kind of go down to Coach Managi, the positives and negatives. And same thing with, with all the key players. What have they done to help our organization? As far as what they're going to do at the end of the season, there's a couple of scenarios. Everything could be the same, remain as it was. No one leaves. No one gets the can or whatever on Black Monday. And we just start thinking about next season. The other option, they get rid of Ryan Pace. And they keep coaching Nagy. They bring in a new general manager. And that general manager has the power of what to do with the coaches and players from there. Or you do exactly what Detroit did. You clean house completely, get rid of the GM, get rid of the head coach, and start from scratch. And that's at the top of the food chain. When it comes to that quarterback situation, I'll be 
be honest, I Nick Foles during the offseason, I knew that was not the best option. And that sounds so bad for me to say that because I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll have hope. It's great, blah, blah, blah. The key, <laughs> the, the key is he was great. He did win a Super Bowl. He did win that MVP. And then ever since that, that soldier, that um, so- shoulder injury, he's never been the same after that. He's never been the same Nick Foles of what we saw in that Cinderella story in 2016. Um, was it a good motivation for Mitch to get his butt into gear? Yeah, it was great motivation. And we all knew at some point that that transition from Trubisky to Foles was going to happen. And with that game with Atlanta, I, I don't think, I don't think Mitch was given a fair chance in that game just because it was tough all the way around. The offense wasn't working right. The defense wasn't in full swing of what they mm-hmm. normally are. Right. So, did we know, did I think it was going to happen in that game? Yes. Did I think it was going to happen at the second quarter? No, I thought it was going to be coming in during the second half. So that was kind of shocking in itself. And, you know, maybe I, my Andy, my, my co-host, he likes to call me a Trubisky truther. He, he likes to, to, to give me that nickname. <laughs> and I think given that Mitch's contract is still good till 2022, I think they're going to keep him on. And I think with Nick Foles, this could be another Mike Glennon situation where, all right, you're gone. We'll still pay you, but, but you're gone pretty much. So it, it, where does that go with the team from here? I think it's all about finding that energy that was supposed to happen this season. Because it does shift the team's energy when you bring in a new quarterback. That's like bringing in new leadership for the most part. Not to mention the fact you created this offense that surrounds Mitch Trubisky and it works for him, but it doesn't necessarily work for any other quarterback going in. And that was, and that was evident on, with the Packers on Sunday night. And the one thing that Foles is doing that I'm not a fan of, he's so robotic. You know, he is, and I can say this because I was like that as an athlete at some point, he is told to run this route and to run this play and to not do anything fancy, just stick to the script pretty much. But when, it, when it's a real game situation and you are getting more man-on-man coverage, you do need to scramble out of the pocket. You need to run that different route. You need to be able to be quick and to be able to do that transition. And unfortunately for Foles, he just has that robotic mentality to not do any of that stuff, to not react right away, to not run through the open gap when he sees it. And that's what separates Trubisky from Foles, in my opinion. Mm. So what's going to happen from there? That, that's up to the next couple of games to decide that. The next couple of games of the season – is what is going to determine the Bears for next season. Yes, it will. So real, real quick, going to the college college uh, hoops. Um, I know San Diego State's been, you know, sort of like almost sort of the Cinderella. You know, they've had a good team the last few years. 
couple, you know, kind of a two-part question. Do you think the college hoop season will finish? And do you think SDSU can kind of get back into the tournament? It's so funny that you say that. I just saw that uh, U of I's basketball game against UNT, against UT, um, they just canceled it. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. I, I mean, with that being said, we all knew that this was going to happen. Uh, out of all the sports in college football, in college sports in general, besides football, basketball is that most contact sport. You're not wearing padding. You're not wearing masks or helmets or anything to cover up anything. It's just you. So we all knew that this was going to be a struggle going into it. Are they going to finish? Yeah, they're going to finish. If the football can finish, college, football, college basketball will finish. Will it finish in the way that we all know and how it's supposed to be? No. I mean, you have the NCAA, their tournament just shut down. Shut, shut it down. No championship, no nothing. I, I mean, literally. So does SDSU have a chance to get back in it for the Cinderella story in the tournament? Yeah. I, I really think they do. They're coming off of that momentum. They're hungry. They want a chance to get that trophy and to hold it up in the air. They want it. And at this point, it's all about who wants it and who wants to stay in the game, sort of speak. All right. Christine Manica of KXRB Radio in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, before we let you go, Christine, last question from me. Where do you see yourself uh, uh, in this broadcasting industry uh, in the near future? Are we talking like five years? Yeah, five years. Year. Your, your five-year plan, as, you know, as, as they say. <laughs> you know, I got to say, I am so happy here in Sioux Falls. I am so happy with my company. I am proud to work with them and to represent them. Um, I see, because my course was kind of deterred within the last couple of years, I intend to stay here for, for as long as I can, for, for as long as my journey allows me to be here. If there's another opportunity that pops up, then of course I'm going to look into it and, and act on it and see what that entails. But in the long run and in the end, I want to be back home with my family. I want to be back in Illinois and seeing my friends and being in places that I'm familiar with talking about places and sports that I know and love and grew up with. Um, so the hope, maybe, nah, maybe not five and 10 years, maybe like 15 years, I want to report for those White Sox. As horrible as the team could be during that time or as great as they are, I want to <laughs> I I I be with those White Sox for sure. But for right now, I love my home here in Sioux Falls. I met my best friend out here. I've, met, I've made so many connections, whether it's locally, nationally, stuff like that. And yeah, I, I'm for once in my life not having a plan of what's happening next. I have a great idea. You should host your own sports podcast. You know what? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. How did I do? Did I do really good? Did I sound like I know what I was talking about? Oh, you brought it. Oh, you yeah. brought it. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I love it. I ramble a little bit, so sometimes I got to reel it back in. 
That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. No problem. We got we got to do this again, Christy. This this was so much fun today. It, it, it was so much fun, and seriously, I, I appreciate you thinking of me out here in in little South Dakota. Any chance I get to reconnect with my Chicagoans and and just my my city, it, I'm always excited to do with. All right, before we let you go, uh, Christine, Lakina, close us out. All right, so you follow me at Kina McGee on Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly, uh, Sydney Brown, at SidKid80, both on the Twitter and the IG. That's SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can catch this podcast, Second City Sports, along with the other programming from War Media by simply going to War on Anchor. We're also on iHeartRadio. Download that app and search and type in War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. We're also on the uh, YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R Media. You can not only listen to us, but watch us do our thing. You can download this podcast wherever you download your podcast. Make sure you search for War on Anchor. Christine, thank you so much for joining us here again today. You did a great job. And where can People follow you via these social media streets, as the kids would say. <laughs> find, find me on Twitter at C Manica. That's M-A-N-I-K-A underscore underscore K-X-R-B. And you can also follow me on Instagram at C-M-M-A-N-I-K-A 15. And you can also find me on Facebook. All right. Great All right. stuff. All right, great stuff here. So enjoy all the games. We've got a couple of great college football games with BYU and Coastal Carolina. Also, a great a big college hoops game very early this season. You got the top two teams, Gonzaga and Baylor. So a couple of great games to look forward to as we can, of course, deal with the NFL and also the NBA as they're trotting out their schedules. So everybody, please be safe out there. Wear your mask. For Christine and Sid, I'm McCann. This is the Sports Zoom style. And we'll see you Monday. Hashtag bears poop till next time. Holla. <laughs>